Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Jim Smallman. Hope you're all well. Apologies for the uh, distance between uh, the last episode and this one, uh, but. I put a pretty cool interview together with someone who is an incredibly interesting and awesome addition to British wrestling at the moment. That is the one and only Sugar Dunkerton. So uh, I popped and visited him him in Leeds uh, on my way to do a stand-up gig. Uh, Had a chat with him for about an hour. Could easily have chatted to him for another three or four hours. We didn't get through half the stuff I wanted to ask him because he's just such a cool guy, such a um, interesting and exciting guy around wrestling. Just a, a really, really good dude. And uh, America's loss is our gain as he's over here for six months. He's someone I first watched in uh, Shikara, and we talk about this uh, a fair while ago. And uh, and then he's someone who he's spoken to me about getting booked for progress in the past, and uh, nothing's come up just yet for him. But he's someone who is really really killing it with all the opportunities he's getting in the UK I think we talk about the fact he initially came over for a short period of time and he keeps coming over for longer and longer and longer and longer and he's gradually becoming part of the furniture here and I think you'll realise if you've someone you've never heard of before you hear him talk for five minutes you'll want to get to know him and you'll want to get to know more about him and hopefully you'll go and check him out on a show near you soon because he's a, he's a cool dude um, before we get to the chat between me and uh, Mr Dunkerton um, some things to plug. Uh, my book, jimsmallman.com slash book. Um, it, weirdly, my book got a really good review in the Sunday Times Literary Review, which is not something I ever thought would happen because I'm a man who is expected to fail GCSE English um, and to not only get reviewed by uh, such a, a sort of legendary tome, but also to get a good review is nuts. Um, and it still blows my mind that people buy the book and then send me cool messages about it or get me to sign it or whatever. That's really, really awesome and, and genuinely touches me every time. So uh, jimsmorman.com slash book if you would like to buy my book. Uh, I did a stand-up gig tonight. I ain't doing any more of them for a bit, but sometimes I do do them and I tend to tell you about them on Twitter, which is at jimsmorman. Uh, jimsmorman's the same for Instagram as well, which I'm starting to use a little bit more. Um, and uh, progresswrestling.com. Uh, we have some shows on sale. Um, we have a pretty nuts, super strong style 16 planned, which is May the 4th, 5th and 6th at Alexandra Palace. 
Um, it was great fun last year. We're doing it there again this year. Um, we've also got shows coming up at the end of February, which is sold out at the Electric Ballroom in Camden on February the 24th. We have uh, a show for the first time in Bournemouth on Saturday, May, March the 9th. And then on Sunday, March the 10th, we have a show in Birmingham. You can still get tickets for both of them via progresswrestling.com, uh, as you can for Super Strong Style 16 on the 4th, 5th, and 6th of May. Come to those shows. Um, I think we've announced a couple of names for it now. Um, but trust me when I say we're, we're going all out with some pretty cool names this year. Um, and you'll want to come and be part of it. Because let's be honest, it's fun. It's a May Bank holiday weekend hanging out with people who like wrestling. It's a pretty good time. Uh, demand-progress.com for all the progress stuff. Uh, obviously, I'm heavily involved with NXT UK as well. So do please watch that on the WWE Network every Wednesday, 8pm UK time. That's 3pm Eastern Standard Time in the USA. Um, yeah, I've been having great fun and being part of that and being part of, uh, of the team that puts that together um, and uh, obviously check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network because it's all good love it all um, that's it I'm going to get into the chat now with me and Sugar Dunkerton uh, have a listen check him out once you've listened to him as well because he's a great guy um, and I'll see you on the other side cheers planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, in a sentence that it's taken me a long time to say, hello, Mr. Dunkerton. <laughs> I feel so like super official, like this is a court, like, like this is a court dictation or something like that. Like, Mr. Smallman, I do presume. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So we've wanted to make this happen for a bit, like because yeah. we've been chatting on Twitter, and my diary is lined up today where I am. Uh, I'm in Sheffield tonight doing a stand-up gig, uh, and you're currently based in Leeds. That's correct. Which will baffle people because of your accent, but we'll get to that. In a <laughs> um, and we're now in a room somewhere in Leeds, somewhere within the horrible one-way system of Leeds city centre. Um, we're in a room with six bunk beds. Um, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> oh, my living situation, if yeah. you will. Yeah. So, um, as it turns out, like uh, you know, I, obviously I'm not from around these parts, but I do a lot of business in Leeds for uh, title wrestling. And when I was here, uh, a lot of the times, like before, like to be fair, 
the first city that I really was staying in for an elongated period of time was um, Preston. Shout out to Preston. Shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to Johnny Rockets. Some of the best. Some of the best chicken. Chicken Tuesdays. I missed it. <laughs> um, but I was staying with uh, Stephen Flutter, who is one of the who's the owner and uh, one of the main people behind uh, PCW Preston Championship Wrestling. And um, you know, I was staying in his guest room for like a good little while, but it came time that like all things, uh, you have to branch out and kind of figure out your own thing. So when I came out here in Leeds, there was a place where, you know, uh, we're right next to the Temple of Boom. It's like a rock concert venue and all this other good stuff like that. So uh, they also have a hostel out of here. Um, hostels are nice places for any American listeners that are watching. Like, you're getting completely thrown by those movies. Stop it. Stop it. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's a money saver. It's great for travelers. Like, get over it. But, um... The owner here, uh, we and him got along really well, and the former occupant that used to be here, there's a, a lot of times there's a resident that's here at any given time. Yeah. Uh, she had moved in with her boyfriend, so uh, it left an open room. So I threw a number, and he was okay with the number, so now this is where I'm at. I actually have my own room over here with the bathroom and the kitchen, and then this is subsectioned off, as you see. So sometimes guests are here. Sometimes I get to have my own slumber party and make ports. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. I love it. So, yeah, this is this is it. I like to affectionately refer to this place as the Trap House uh, with the German spelling, so H-A-U-S at the end nice. to stylize it. You know? With an umlaut. Like yes, yes. Um, how long are you – because – we got chatting sort of last year, yeah, and you were here for an extended period of time. Yes, sir. Um, and how long are you here for this time? Six months, so February to July, which is you know it, uh, until Brexit kicks in and we kick everybody out. Oh, I hope that never happens. <laughs> better not. Better not. <laughs> um, please never make that happen. Um, but this is something that one of the, the the interesting reasons that I want to talk to you is. Anyone who's listened to wrestling podcasts, like Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling is a great example of this. That's probably the penultimate. Absolutely. And and the amount of people who I know from listening to those early episodes made a point of moving to the UK. So uh, Brian Danielson's the example everyone brings up. Chris Hero's another example of people who came to the UK for extended periods of time, did the holiday camps, did as much stuff as possible. Now, obviously, the British wrestling scene is different now because we have a ton of indie wrestling companies that are all doing this. Oh, absolutely. Um. But it still doesn't seem that there's not loads of people coming in this direction. It's it, it it feels it's much more people's ambition to move to the states rather than come here. Sure. But I mean, what was it that sort of drove you to wanting to come here in the first place? Well, I mean, um, well, first of all, like uh, I, when I when I get going, sometimes I get stream of conscious, so I got to ask this first: Is cursing allowed? Oh god, yeah. Okay, cool. Because sometimes I get in a <laughs> I get it going and stuff starts to coming out. So the Atlanta start coming out. So yeah, so. Um, long story short, just in America, um, I, we talked about this a little bit before we recorded. Um, I've been at this since, uh, truth be told, I've been at this since 17. And I and I don't feel like I was learning anything of worth and getting anywhere until at least 25 or 26 because I had really bad training. So um, I feel like I'm always trying to make up for lost time and trying to get somewhere. Like I'm super ambitious. And, I, you know, I remember a time where not to get too... Uh, personal but i remember a time when i was like 27 when um i was talking about by 27 you know i'd have kids and i'd be doing this and i'd be doing all that and um 
you know, I've messed up a lot of I've messed up a lot of personal relationships, like because I didn't I didn't even go to my own high school graduation because like there was a book in that night, so like I was like yo, just send me that. Same thing with college. I was like, just mail me my stuff. I don't need to worry about that. I got stuff going on. So, um, for no matter how silly or bad or um, everybody's got an opinion, there's somebody that even hates AJ Styles, and I don't even understand how that's a thing. But um, for every bad opinion or people who don't think I should be here based off of Twitter or people who feel a way about me, this and that, you'll never know or I almost don't wish anybody to ever know the amount of sacrifice I had to do just to even be at a point where it's like I'm a mixtape status wrestler, as I like to call it. Like um, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are doing way better than me, and that's no that's no issue because I got to own some of my shit, you know, like uh, – uh, I was overweight for a time. I wasn't taking my wrestling seriously for a time. Um, I didn't even know who I wanted to be for a time. And I had different levels of that. And it was always bad timing when the opportunity was coming around. So in America, I look at my legacy sometimes and it's like, my legacy is I'm a funny guy. I did a cool Space Jam spot in the ECW arena. <laughs> but um, I just felt like it wasn't one of those things where it's like people were ready to take me to be that guy to... Oh yeah, he's he's PWG bound, or like we got to bring this guy in for CCW stat. Or my biggest claim to fame was like two explosion shots on Impact, which is great, but um obviously not enough to get signed. And that's no knock to anybody in any offices anywhere, but you got to start asking questions to yourself. It's like, um, do you keep trying to water this same plant and you're not bearing the fruits that you want, or is it time to try some different soil? You know, same same plant, different soil. So um, I've always wanted to do the UK. I did Japan one time before for a week. I did Ireland for 10 days. Um, I just thought it was time to do something different, and I always wanted to go there. I've had a love for world of sport for the longest time. Uh, One of my favorite wrestlers recently was Doug Williams, and I'm proud to be able to say I got to wrestle him twice. And um, I learned so much in both of those appearances. So I was like, why not go? One of the biggest problems I see with wrestlers nowadays is – Again, watering plants in soil where it's not going to grow sometimes. Or So I had that problem when I initially started off in Georgia because a lot of people in the bigger companies wouldn't use me. So um, I just went anywhere I could. That's how Chikara happened. Um, I sent stuff out, and then you know I started doing stuff in Chicago. I started doing stuff in Philly. And then before you know it, that spread out to other places. I was working other places more than I was in Georgia. So eventually, it's like, oh, well, can you come back? We'll finally do some stuff with you now. And it's like, I hate that I had to do all that, but cool. Let's do some stuff. Now it's just a more worldwide version of that. And um, I went to UK. um, applied my trade. I did some different stuff. And, um, (laughs) like, uh, it still trips me out because, uh, you know, I was only supposed to go for, like, one month just to say I did it. And um, the love I got between, like, Preston and Leeds and, um, you know, Leicester when I was out there for a little bit and just all the different places. Uh, it really changed my view about, man, maybe I could do this. Maybe maybe there is something I just need to, I need to keep going. And um, now we're here. We turned a February into, you know, four months. And then we turned four months into nine months. And then now we're here, you know, collectively. Mm. And now here, I'm about to do six uninterrupted months and, like, you know, I can get off the plane in Manchester. I remember when I first got off the plane in Manchester and couldn't figure out, 
um, how the train was going to work, and I was getting <laughs> lost in <laughs> I was getting lost in uh, 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 Mark Adams. God bless him. Um, I was supposed to meet him for a Hope show that day, and I was getting comp- I was getting my ass beat by the train system here. It was bad. Like it was breaking the, beating the brakes off of me, and. Um, he kept saying, uh, Trafford Bar, if you don't remember where you're going to be at, Trafford Bar. That's why I always reference it every time I can. I even named a move after it because, uh, <laughs> like, Trafford Bar was my safe zone. And <laughs> now I went from that to being able to get off a plane in Manchester. I know good and well to go ahead and catch the ticket. We'll catch the ticket to Newcastle, which stops four stops to Leeds. You get off at Leeds, 15-minute walk. You go over and you see the Tesco coming down through Victoria Square. <laughs> you make the turn. You pop over to um, you pop over to this beautiful, beautiful <laughs> furniture store over here, and then you're right next to the Temple of Boom, and you're here. And um, I feel like it's a part of my DNA now, and I feel like I've been accepted. So now I feel like... Uh, this is the strangest odyssey ever for like a 33 year old American black country boy to be over here in Leeds and representing as a champion. Like I know that's long winded, but that's no. It's, it's, this is the thing that's cool for me is like so I was saying to you before. Like I was aware of you from watching you in Chicago. Yeah, and and partly because of the basketball gimmick because I'm a ba- I'm a big basketball fan. So, yeah, as like, you should be. It's a good sport. So um, so I remember the first time I saw, and also there's something about names. In Shikara, that always like, um, like, did you come up with your own name? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know by now, um, originally when I did the basketball gimmick, yeah, it's because I had a series of failed gimmicks before then. And like, the first trainer that really got me on track, his name is Murder One. Uh, he's well, Blacklist Uno now, they made him change it because everybody's sensitive nowadays, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. So, um, he, we were on a drive to a show in Alabama one day, and this was back during the time when I was in my, um, I was in my biker shorts and kick pad era, you know, so that was, yeah, like I really stood out around then too, you know. So, um, we're riding, and he's like, man, at the time, I had grew my hair out, and it wasn't anywhere near as big as this is, but um, it was by accident. I couldn't afford haircuts. I was just a college student then, and there wasn't there wasn't enough money for it. So he was like, "Man, you letting your man?" He said, "My dude, you letting your hair all grow out and stuff." He's like, "Man, you need to let that microphone cap get nice and big. Get you a pair of Converse." He said, "You could just be doing a basketball gimmick all day long. You should be like Globetrotter or something." And I'm like, "Murder, you're trying to tank my career, dude. It's like nobody's ever going to take me seriously running around in a ring doing basketball." And then I thought about it, and this is a piece of advice that I feel like a lot of guys can apply to things that they're doing. If you honestly are accountable for what you're doing successfully in your career right now and realize that you're not really all that successful, why the fuck not try some shit? <laughs> yeah. And at the time, it was like, well, really, I don't have much of a career, so fuck it. Let's try it. So um, my original name was Kareem Abdul-Jamar. Amazing. Because uh, my my real first name, which is amazing to me because everybody swears out my, my name like because of Facebook. Social media is a powerful thing. Yeah. Everybody swears out my name is Suge Wilson. Yeah. Uh, my real name is Jamar. But, like, um, I love it. I never correct him. Like, I love it. It's great. <laughs> so, um, Jamar is my real name, so we went with that. And uh, Disco Inferno actually gave me that name while we were getting ready to work. And Disco is a huge... Uh, Basketball, Martin. So he heard it, and I didn't have a name yet, and he's bouncing the basketball around while he's talking. And he just came up with it like that. So I was like, 
Awesome. Like, we'll run with it. We'll do and that. it's a good pun. Yeah. Well. And my mom uh, actually was a huge Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fan. So I was like, it all it, it covers all the bases. So when Shakara came around, this is what I mean by polite persistence. Um, a lot of people, especially now in wrestling, get butt hurt if they don't get an immediate reply or they, they get a non-reply from people. It's like there's a lot of factors, especially having lived with a promoter for a while, mm-hmm. while sometimes you don't get a reply. Uh, you got to get over it. <laughs> but, but So this is something I have to explain to people all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm like... Um, I say to if I go to a wrestling school, I'll say to wrestlers, uh, trainee wrestlers, I'll say, look, if you want me to give you feedback on a promo or something, it's my job now. So you know, send it to me. It's cool, but it might take me a week to get back to you I, I, because I'm kind of busy. And, and and it's the same. So so I'm at progress. We maybe get like twenty five like CVs a week from I bet. wrestlers, and and we just can't. And and some people. Are genuinely good wrestlers who we might have an interest in using in the future, and we'll we'll, we'll try and prioritize reply to them if we can. Yep. Some people are mildly delusional and have maybe not even had a match yet, and are telling us they should be our champion. That does happen from time to time. Jesus Christ! People, okay. who, people who haven't understand how wrestling works at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, <coughs> honestly, emails that say things like, "I am really good at wrestling. I should be your champion." Here is a photo. Like you get shit like that. Fire pro wrestling doesn't count, guy. Like, like seriously, like it doesn't. It's it's not enough. It's not enough. But okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. The, the the the. But like you said, that thing of we can't. You do have to be persistent to a point. You have to be persistent, but not a dick. Absolutely. I mean? Like it's polite persistence. That's what I like to call it. It's like um like for instance uh like I I always. Always, after a little while, there were a bunch of promotions like when I first came over. Um, some wouldn't say a thing. I was lucky to get what I got that February. But fortunately, word traveled fast and then new people started coming in and people who didn't answer started answering eventually. But that doesn't mean like, oh, this motherfucker didn't answer me or whatever it is. He doesn't know talent when he see it or this and that and never Fuck them. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll do what I do. It's like, no, you didn't answer. Um, okay. I see, uh, like, I'll hit you again in two months. I'll hit you again in three months. Stuff well, changes. I, I used to have to do that with stand-up. Yeah. Like, every time I applied to do the comedy store in London, they wouldn't always reply. Uh, so I'm, so I, I see it from the point of view of someone trying to get work as well as someone yeah. who gives work. And furthermore, um, living with um, Flutter was very, very enlightening because he showed me the inbox of PCW. Mm. He gets 50 things in that inbox at any given time. Um, half of them, yes, CVs, the other half, crazy stuff or business related stuff. And, um, what a lot of geniuses tend to forget, especially because we live in the cell phone era, everybody wants instant everything. And it's immediately this terrible thing where people have to stop everything they're doing in the moment to reply to you. Mm -hmm. And I can't always do that. Um, sometimes I don't want to do that. So like, get over yourself for a minute. It's one of those cases where, um, okay, yes, you may have sent me your resume or your promo or whatever it is, first thing in the morning, 8 a.m., the promoter might wake up 1, 1 p.m. You know, he had a bender the night before. It, it happens. <laughs> it, it happens. Um, so you sent one at 8 a.m. Another guy's thinking he's on top of it, 8.30 a.m. He sends one in. Another guy, 9 o'clock. Another guy, 9.05. Before he wakes up, there's 25 messages in there. Yours immediately went to the bottom, and there's 24 people on top of you. And he might get bored after going through five or six, so sometimes you get lost in averages. It happens. Like, after you start getting to that point of realizing that, you just kind of get over yourself, and you just have to be politely persistent. So in the case of Chikara, what happened was I always wanted to work Chikara. The first King of Trios, I watched the very first King of Trios they had, and I was hooked. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just buying all their stuff and everything because at the time, I'd never seen wrestling like that before. I love big characters. They were doing, like, early 90s and late 80s WWE references, which is right up my alley. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I, I, I needed that in my life. I was like, if I'm ever going to work one place, I got to fucking work there, right? So I started emailing Mike Quackenbush matches. <laughs> and back then... It wasn't as easy as a YouTube link and all that other mm. stuff like that. Um, you got to burn your own DVDs. You got to edit out the matches, all that other stuff like that. Um, you mail it off. You ship it off. So it, it's not cheap, you know, when you get ready to do it. Like, people complaining about an email that takes, like, <laughs> five minutes to draft. You know, like, you really wanted to get around back then. You you do 25 DVDs, 25 different shipping things, and you shoot them out. You know, you get addresses. You're hunting and all that stuff. Pe- people don't know, man. And it was even worse before then because of VHS. Yeah. See, so had W on tape. Like, that was, that was, oh, my God, that's a whole other story. I sent him a DVD a week for 12 weeks straight. <laughs> he finally emailed me back and he was like, listen, I sure, I'm sure you're a nice enough guy. If I promise to watch this DVD, will you please stop sending me DVDs? <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely. He said, just tell me, just tell me what doesn't work, what, what does and what doesn't work. And I'm off your back. He actually watched it. And he actually liked it. And he was like, your timing for this couldn't be better, by the way, because we're just about to debut a baseball character and you know how we're very much on teams and the time mm-hmm. goes and stuff like that. I think you two could be a good fit if it gels, you know? Yeah. So um, he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, let's let's see if we can get you up here for a few days to see how it fits, see how it gels. He was like, but one thing, we got to change the name. And I'm like, okay, what's what's the issue with the name? He's like, <sighs> he's like, I feel like you have one of those names where it's like, oh, Kareem Abdul-Jamar, ha, 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 or it's, Oh, Kareem Abdul-Jamar. <laughs> so he's like, we, we just got to get something I feel that'll be a little bit more marketable. I'm like, okay. Have you ever seen the movie Semi-Pro? I have, yes. One of the nicknames of Andre 3000's character as he's cycling through names on that, Sugar Dunkerton. Uh... And it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not something where they can make a copyright claim or anything like yeah. that because it wasn't like the actual character's name. It was just a moniker. So, um, also, there's the Atlanta connection as well, there, isn't there? Yes, yeah, Outcast, yeah, stuff like that. Plus, Andre 3000 is like one of my favorites, like, he's he is my top rapper, like, ever of all time. He's the second coming of James Brown, is one of my favorites, bro. <laughs> bro, that's a whole nother podcast. Oh, uh, we get into it. Plus, I'm from Augusta, so that's James Brown's hometown. We literally oh, have like the James Brown statue and everything, oh, like, amazing. yeah. Um, it's part of the reason why I took the name. Uh, I'm a big World of Sport fan, but I'm also from, they call it the Soul City, um, Augusta, Georgia. So that's why I took the nickname the Soul of Sport. So, like, it's a combination of the two things. I think it works. But we ran with Sugar Dunkerton. I threw him a bunch of names. Um, Sugar Dunkerton was the one he liked the best. It was it was a tie. <laughs> so here's how the timelines could have altered. Sugar Dunkerton in this timeline and in the other Spider-Verse, it would have been Shawty Roosevelt. S H A W T Y, like Shawty, like the yes. way we said it back in Atlanta, like Shawty Roosevelt. Murder wanted that one bad because he always <laughs> wanted to uh, chant. He was like, uh, he always wanted to chant, "Go Shawty, go Shawty!" during a match, but uh, uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And we got left with Sugar Dunkerton. So, but that worked. Everything took off, as you can see. But um, it's a cautionary tale a little bit too because. Um, there were glimpses 
of me moving beyond the cartoon character in Shakara, mm-hmm. like I had that match with uh, Brody Lee, who we now know as Luke Harper in WWE, and a lot of people really gave me compliments on that one because that was like a real brawl and like one of the first few matches I wasn't like clowning, you mm-hmm. know, and people knew it's like, hey, maybe there's more to this guy than what we were thinking, and I get little glimpses of that, but um, I hate to say it, but I mean, I'm just being truthful. I don't know if he had the faith in me to deliver when it came time to be able to do stuff like that. And part of it, I'll, I'll admit, it's an accountability thing. Um, I could have been in better shape. You know, I, I wasn't as mature as I could have been in some cases. But even still, it's like sometimes you got to give that guy a chance to sink or swim. Yeah. Um, didn't come together. And eventually when I left, I started spreading my wings. But the thing about it was um, I had been defined by the more cartoonish stuff for so long I don't think people saw me as the full character yet. Mm. So it kind of limited what I was able to do. So I had to make a lot of changes and go a lot of different roads and try to figure some stuff out. And um, the latest change, which I think has been the best one, has been eventually just switching over to Trunks, you know? Because yeah. now I still got my personality, but, you know, I look more like a wrestler now. I, t- I took my shape more seriously, all that. Because um, I think what really, really brought it together was I came home from the the, the third tour and I learned all this new stuff, all these new transitions and holes and suplexes and stuff. And I went to Glory Pro. At the time, I was still wearing, like, Argyle disco pants and all that other stuff like that. So the crowd's watching, and it's like, I think they're appreciating what they're seeing. But yeah. at the same time, you're still a dude in disco pants trying to put on, like, heel hooks and knee bars and stuff. And you can only take that so seriously. It's kind of like if somebody said they're going to do brain surgery and they show up in, like, a farmer's overalls. <laughs> And, like, you know, some Crocs. And they're like, hey, man, we're about to do some surgery today. And it's like, nah, nah, you don't look the part, bro. I'll wait. I'll reschedule. I'll take the next guy that comes in, you know. So I had to kind of switch it up a little bit. So it's me, but it's more to the point. And now I think it's coming across a little bit better. So, yeah. And now here we are. I'm I'm out of here. Um, so with everything from Georgia. Yep. Like, and obviously... Atlanta was where everyone from WCW was based in the, yes, the, the end of Power the plant. Power plant, dude. So, you know, and still, I know lots of people who still live out there now because it was it was where everyone was based. Yep. Um, but you were saying there, there wasn't, I mean, I presume there was a scene in Georgia when you first started sort of 16, 17 years ago. Yeah, right? but absolutely. it wasn't. But it, it wasn't something that was, was easy to break into. Yeah, like the Georgia scene, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this out flat before I even get into anything. If you're talking about starting off in wrestling, Georgia's a hell of a scene to get started because um, fundamentals, learning to work your character, learning how to work a crowd, learning how to work TV cameras. There's a whole another difference between just working a live show and working for TV. Absolutely, you'll get you'll get all that experience down there. It's it's awesome. Like I feel like if you if you need to know how to be a complete wrestler fundamentally, Georgia is a great place as any like to get started. But yes, in terms of breaking in, even kind of now, they still got kind of a mold that they like. And the other thing about it is Georgia was very hard to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You started looking at other places as far as no, no pun intended to progress. Mm. Because the thing about it was, um, while up north 
and Midwest and California were catching up to like VHS and moving to DVD, starting streaming services. Like they were always ahead of the curve. Mm. And those were always the places where you went to to get seen to go to the other bigger places. Georgia was kind of like, you go here to cut your teeth. You go here like, you know, um, if you want to work X, like NWA or WCW guy just kind of doing the rounds or whatever it is. But that's not where you go to get indie clout. Yeah. And a lot of the times it was like, oh, this guy's got a good body. We don't know if he can work, but let's let's throw him in there and see what he can do, all this other stuff like that. And I think the closest we came to really being on the radar was um, Deep South Wrestling when they had that for a time in WWE developmental. Yes. But even then, Deep South Wrestling, for as good as the talent was down there, um, a lot of people will tell you horror stories from it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, well... Development around that time still had its share of horror stories, mm. but it, but you know, Deep South I heard was some of the worst when it came down to that. So it's like that's kind of a bit where it came and went. So um, with Georgia, it's just a lot of those guys were guys that were kind of applying their trade until something bigger popped off, or which was an indie out there, or at the time TNA comes calling, mm-hmm. or. Let me just ply my trade enough so I'm close enough to Florida yeah. for when WWE calls. Yeah. Little stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's because it, I think in in the UK we look at it and just go. British people often forget how big America is, bro. And, <laughs> and like to so just go in. Hey, I'm from Georgia. I'm going to go and wrestle in Philadelphia for Shikara. Is not it's, no. It's not. And and when you're on the Indies, it's not always a case of people paying to put you on a plane and stuff like that. Sometimes Jesus it's Christ. get all your shit in a car and drive, right? So, <laughs> so this is about to break me into one of my one of my favorite rules about wrestling in a minute. But uh, I remember the first time coming over here and people telling me about how trouble, public transport worked and just mm-hmm. how big the country was. I was I was expecting way more in terms of like how big because of where I come from. So the longest car ride I've ever done by myself. To a show is 16 hours one way. <laughs> yeah. When somebody put it in perspective, they were like, you could have driven the whole of England, like, yeah. around, you could have been around it three times in that length, or, or almost about. So whenever whenever I'm with uh, American friends and, and, and we have this discussion, like, yeah. I used to, when I was doing stand up, I used to complain about driving a thousand miles a week. <laughs> I was driving a thousand miles a week to do four or five shows. Yep. Um, and and part of that is because I choose to live in North Wales rather than live in a big population centre like London. Sure. Or so I was doing a lot of miles, and I complained about. It. And I remember um, dropping name, but I was supporting McFoley on tour. Oh boy! And and I was saying to him, oh, he, he was like, I, I turned up to a show and I was all frazzled. He was like, you got to drive a long way. I was like, yeah, I've been in my car for four hours, and it did go into. You don't even know you're born. I was <laughs> drove across Canada. I, and, and Canada, and he went, I drove across Canada when there was literally no scenery. Yeah. It was just we drove from one side to the other. We and it, it goes. There's a really famous Monty Python sketch that I, I recommend you look up called the Four Yorkshiremen, which is especially apt with you. And I'm a big fan of uh, Monty yeah. Python too. So, so this is from what, or uh, is this the sketch it's from show? This, it's from this from the TV. Show. I've never watched the TV so it's on, show. Okay. It's on Netflix, right? So, Perfect. Um, and their their sketch they do is the Four Yorkshiremen, and it's just about Four Yorkshiremen all comparing how hard their upbringing was. And it starts off with, with someone going, yeah, I used to have to work 12 hours a day down the mill. And, and, it, and it finishes with like one guy going, I used to have to work 27 hours a day down the mill and pay me a lot of permission to come to work. And when we got home, our mother and father would kill us and dance on our graves singing hallelujah. Like, it's that level of escalation. I love it. And if you get enough wrestlers from America in a room to talk about car journeys, they will go, oh yeah, I've, I've driven 16 hours straight. Which for us... 
Like, if I drove 16 hours straight from here, I'd probably get to Moscow. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> it makes me wish I, I knew how to drive these roads. Like, honestly, y'all's, y'all's driving scene frightens the hell out of me. It, it reminds me of like every Jason Statham movie where he's got to get in a car and he's boom, 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 he's moving around and you got the traffic circles and everything's going. I'm like, I, like I can't do it. I'm not ready for it yet. Like, I, I can't. But uh, I promise you, if I knew how to drive here, I would probably try to break Legero's schedule. And like, that is, that is the busiest damn man in the world. Like, in the world. Um... But, also, he he couldn't drive for a long time. Are you serious? Seriously, he he learned. I swear, he's learned to drive in the time I've known him. Ligero corrects us on this, but I I swear he's only been driving for maybe three or four years. Did I, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm certain he only learned to drive fairly late on. Okay, which is even more insane. Well, it's, the, it's the same for for. Like wrestlers like Pete Dunne, I don't think he's been driving very long. Before I knew how short the distances were, I swore there was more than one Liguero. <laughs> like, like, like I thought there was three of them oh, and they're he, just pulling the money together. Yeah, he's like an Ultimate Warrior in 1992. Like he's definitely died and been reincarnated at least once. Like we'll, we we all we all try to forget the warrior with the baseball cap. We all try to forget that that was a that was a very bad fashion mistake. Of his. And, where, where was the 16 hour drive between? Northern Indiana, yep. Southern Florida. Uh, yeah, dude. We like, did, so when we did the US tour last year, like we did, so we did bus journeys after shows. Yeah. Which is, it sounds horrible, but it's actually better waking up in a new city and having some time to rest before. Absolutely. Goes. And you're not doing the driving. Yeah, precisely. So we, we get on this bus, we did a show in Chicago, and then we got a bus from Chicago to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And again, British people look at a map and go, how <laughs> far can it be? <laughs> And like eight hours later when you're like, yeah. and I had Google Maps on my phone so I could know how far, you leave a show at like 11 and you arrive at like 7am and you're like, oh, this is really far. Dude, if it weren't for Spotify, like, like if it weren't for Spotify, I'd quit. Like I'd quit. Like I'd, I'd seriously quit. And it leads me back to what I was talking about before about, um, it, I, I love talking about the clout system in wrestling sometimes. Um, your treatment can drastically change like you you know in a lot of cases to me i feel like you know how they feel about you or you know how they feel about your worth based off of how they're arranging you to get there sometimes yeah so like i i believe clout drives a lot of things in entertainment especially wrestling right Mm. so one of my favorite clout rules of all time i do it i do it i change it every few years because the person changes every few years so there's always like a top guy in indie wrestling so, for a while, it was the Chris Hero rule. Yeah. Then, for a while, it was the Matt Riddle rule. Now, I'm still trying to change it. I think I'm going to call it the Shane Strickland rule because I like him and he's, yeah, he's like everywhere, Shane. right? Everybody loves Shane's Shane. Right? He's the man. Um, so, the the rule is, would I be going through this if I were Chris Hero, <laughs> Matt Riddle, Shane Strickland? And you, you got to be realistic. They're at the top of their field. But you got to look at some of, the, some of the stuff you go through. Like, for instance, if... Um, if I were Shane Strickland and they were asking me to drive 16 hours, knowing good and well I'm driving 16 hours, not with anybody else in the car, and they want to offer me $50 American, no other trans, no hotel, no other stuff like that, but it's a great opportunity. <laughs> it's a great opportunity. You, like, Dude, 
if if I, I feel like if everybody in entertainment and I always try to keep a blanket when I say that artist, rapper, you know, actor, whatever. If we had to pull all of our opportunity together and everything like that, we could have universal health care for everybody in the world. It would work. The opportunity bucks would pay for it. Well, this, so so this is something that I've I often new wrestlers will say to me. Oh, have you got any advice? And I always say, read Mick Foley's first autobiography. Damn right. Um, but I also say the same thing to new comedians. Because it's the same, same principle. Thing. Like when I started comedy, I, this is something I remember very specifically. My first 100 gigs that I did, um, nearly all of them were unpaid. I earned 70 pounds in total for 100 shows because Jesus of the Christ. open mic system, yeah. where you you know you just have to go and be seen. And I was entering competitions and whatever. And bearing in mind, I did well out of my first 100 gigs. I got the competition finals and stuff, right? So I, I didn't completely suck. First 100 gigs earned 70 pounds in total. I drove. 27,000 miles to, to do that. And nearly everyone was an opportunity. And, and even towards the end of my comedy, my, my full-time comedy career, yeah. I would still get promoters go, like, try and offer me a lot less than I, I should work for because they were one of the first people who ever gave me a, a free gig. And it's still that, oh, I gave you that opportunity, can you not do it as a favour? No. <laughs> I have two children. Got bills and stuff, man. <laughs> like, and, and I went full-time with this, I went full-time with this over uh, over a year ago. Like, I was working at, uh, I was working at a major cell phone company. You know, I'm making good money, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I didn't have, I, I knew if I didn't take this chance because I was juggling both. And it goes back to like my life balance because, um, you know, I, it, it was either I was obsessed about trying to move up and work or I was obsessed with trying to move up and wrestling. Yeah. And when you had the two of them going at the same time, literally one of my weekends was like this. I would get off work. I would get off work on a Thursday. Say my first show was in Chicago. So you drive all the way to Chicago for 12 hours, do your deal. Oh, and you didn't get that work request that you wanted off. So you do need to come in Saturday. So now you come in, you do your match, you drive 12 hours back so that you can do an eight-hour shift handling money and other people in various situations on no sleep. Oh, my. And then you finally can go to sleep. Like, little stuff like that. And um, a lot of people just didn't know, man. Like, they didn't know. It's like now, that's why I appreciate it. If somebody says, like, oh, it's rough being on a train or a bus or whatever it is, hell no. I get to rest. I get to read. I get to the show, I'm wired. I'm ready to do whatever you want to do. I'm not too tired to not do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, but I'll never take back any of that because if I didn't go through all the weird stuff, I wouldn't even appreciate it at when you get this kind of stuff coming together. It, it sounds, it's such a it's such a dad thing for me to say, but it's character building. Yeah. Like, if I hadn't have, if I'd have started stand-up and just gone straight into doing really well, likewise, if, as a wrestling promoter, if I'd gone straight into making money, as opposed to losing money for like a year and a half, two years. Like, how would I? You'd never move forward. There you go. You know, you you, you need to do that. You, you mentioned before, um, you missed your own high school graduation <laughs> to wrestle. Can you remember who you wrestled? It's just, it's one of those things I was like, I have to ask if you can remember who you wrestled. I think it was Studley Dudley around that time or whatever it is. Like, uh, like it, <laughs> I got a funny story about him in a minute. <laughs> Studley Dudley uh, was like, I think he was like a part-time computer programmer or something like that. Um, like he was like a big dude, nerdish face. Yeah. So they just put some broken glasses on him, made him like a you know, because there were Dudley boys everywhere. So they just made him a Dudley boy. <laughs> it was a really easy gimmick to do. Yeah, you know, and like um, he just did you know he just did the whole deal and everything like that. His claim to fame was going to 
NWA Wild Side, which is now NWA Anarchy, that's where uh, AJ Styles cut his teeth mm. out in Cornelia, Georgia. They would have tryout shows on Fridays. So, you know, he's puffing his chest up. I'm the NWF hardcore champion in front of like 50 people. You know, they need to know what I can do. So he goes out there and lo and behold, his tryout match is New Jack of all people. Oh, God. He's just, New Jack's riding through. They needed a little star power on the show. Let's put New Jack on. First of all, I love me some New Jack. New Jack is cool as shit. New Jack ain't one to fuck with, though. So, like, he, and he's, he's, he's testy. Like, th- there's some stuff I can't believe sets him off, and there's some stuff that's like, you know, I, I have a real story that happened between me <coughs> and New Jack. Yeah. He got offended that I wouldn't drink with him, bearing in mind I'm a recovered alcoholic. <laughs> And he got really annoyed until I explained. I used to tell the story on stage. Yeah, I got. He got really annoyed until I explained the uh, oh, explained thank God. why. Okay, and but uh, he did insist on calling me a pussy for the rest of the evening. Sounds about right. <laughs> but Sounds he, about he right. was actually a sweetheart. He was very softly spoken, which I did not expect. Yeah, like, he was. He was. But he bought drinks for everybody. And like, when he bought a table, like he bought like literally forty shots for a table yeah, of like eight people at, at Colts five dollar wrestling. People don't even people don't even know in some cases about him. And the other thing too is. Really savvy about mm. wrestling up here. It's just he got paid good money to walk around and hit people with guitars while NWA was playing. So, like, it was what it was. <laughs> so, he gets in the ring with Studley, and I think Studley, like, supremely screws up the first few things and then messes up and potatoes him. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> with New Jack, if you give him potatoes, he about to make french fries. So, like, like it's like he, he went in. Beat the dog shit out of Stelly. Like, Stelly never got handled like this before. Like, he he got straight handled, dog walked the whole match, right? <laughs> Stelly comes to the back. He's looking, lump, like, lumped up, right? And he's just sitting down, and it's like, I wish you guys, I wish this was a video podcast so you could see it. <laughs> but he's just sitting down, like, you know how, like, when you're waiting on the principal, and you know you fucked up, so he's just sitting down, and he's just, like, you know, waiting. New Jack comes back. I got to put my best New Jack voice on. So New Jack comes back and he's just looking at him and he's walking past him because he's trying to find the words and he was like he's like so you got any advice for me in the match he's like do I got advice for you he's like motherfucker he said like, you ain't got no business being up in the motherfucking ring with me he's like well well um is it possible that maybe like you know you could train me or something like that motherfucker he's like let me tell you something he's like he's like I be doing pay per view he's like I'm on video games all this other shit. Training your punk ass. He's like, you need to be out the motherfucking business. Matter of fact, I see your ass back here again. He was letting him fucking have it. <laughs> Studley, Studley, yo, Studley was done by then. My personal New Jack story is, uh, my personal favorite New Jack story is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the one that he did with Dr. Keith where it was, he wasn't even on that one. He was doing a shoot interview with Raven and Sandman. And I may well have seen it. It was a bar. And they were drinking while they were doing it. Mustafa and New Jack crashed the shoot, and it infinitely got better because they didn't want to say anything. They were just drinking. New Jack comes in and like turns the place up, right? So one of the stories he tells is how he kept, uh, how he messed up Terry Funk's retirement speech. Terry Funk, like his umpteenth retirement, whatever yeah. it is. That was the joke too. So he looks at the camera during it, and he's like, "Terry Funk, I'm sorry." He's like, "I'm sorry, okay." I didn't know. I thought you were just bullshitting about this retirement too. You know what I'm saying? So I said what I was saying. I was drunk. Yeah, I was drunk. And the whole time he would talk about something, 
But then he flipped back. He's like, yeah, you know, at this point in my career in Smoky Mountain. And I just also want to point out, Terry Buckle, sorry, I'm sorry. I ain't mean to do it. He did, he did it like five or six times. So we had an end joke. Where if you really were sorry about something, you have to say Terry Funk, I'm sorry. It's not a real apology unless you say Terry Funk, I'm sorry. So I had a six-man tag where, you know, the old squash, you know, the enhancement match. And one of the guys was his trainee. Another guy was tagging with his trainee. And then there was me. And, like, you know, he was always cordial with me, and I appreciated that about him. So, um... Before the match started, the three of us put our hands in. I was like, okay, everybody, on three, we're going to say Terra Funk, we sorry. And they were mortified because the match is about to go on. It's like, no, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do that. It's like like, like New Jack probably wouldn't like that. I said, he's not here right now. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. They can't hear us anyway. He's like, one, two, three, Terra Funk, I'm sorry. We go through the match. We get killed. We come to the back. All we hear, they're giving us critique on the match, and then all we hear from around the corner is, say, where the fuck the boys at? I'm like, oh, shit. Everybody like, oh, shit. He come around, and he's looking around. He said, which one of y'all motherfuckers was talking about Terra Funk? I'm motherfucking sorry. He said, which one of y'all thought that shit was funny as fuck? And then, of course, they're young. <laughs> they dime me out. They're just looking over on this end. And I'm like, yeah, I did it, man. He said, shit, I'm talking to you, a funny motherfucker, man. That's why I fuck with you, dog. He said, you cool as shit. He said, why y'all motherfuckers ain't even thinking that shit? So now they mad because they couldn't get the clock points off of it because he came in mad as hell. But, like, that was always my relationship with, with New Jack. I like him a lot. Like, I, I, I think the world of him when it's all said and done. But I guess rounding back. So I look at how that clout system works sometimes, especially, like, uh, in terms of pay and stuff like that in the locker room. Um, I've literally had promoters sometimes when you hit them up about, hey, I need a little bit extra or this and that, you know, at least something to go ahead and cover it or whatever it is. They're talking about how they lost their ass or this and that or they've already paid enough on payroll. But let's be real. You look at some of the cards sometimes and it's like we know exactly where all your payroll went, especially when you got a certain kind of flights. You got a full hotel for such and such. You're making sure everything's all good, but then you got to come to certain people and talk about you're going to PayPal them in two weeks or um, I don't have the money for you right now, but I'll give you this book and then we'll double up on that or whatever it is. Um, I wish there was a system where, because, you know, all my money comes from this now. Yeah. So my deal is, it's like, if you're late on that, like, who's, like, are you going to pay me the interest that, I, are you going to pay me interest on it because of the late fee on the credit card that I have to pay or yeah. the stuff that I got going on at home or whatever? But it's it's stuff that you chalk it up to the game and it's rules to the game that, like, it could piss you off sometimes, but I keep believing it'll be better and it'll work itself out. And I feel like sometimes you have to go through that because then when you get to the point where hopefully it's all coming in, you're not starstruck, you're not treating people a weird way, you actually know how to hold your money and retain your money because you went through times where you didn't have it or you didn't know if it was coming in and all that good stuff. So I think yeah. that the, 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 the terrifying thing for me whenever I hear people talking about the American indie wrestling landscape is that thing you said of you driving 16 hours, no transport costs, literally like, and, and people do do it because wrestling's a competitive field where people want to get noticed. Yeah. But like here, the idea of, of progress, not paying people like for their transport and stuff like that, like makes me feel sick because in comedy, I never, never, we never, the difference between comedy and wrestling is we never used to get our trans, we occasionally get hotels covered. Okay. If you're working somewhere for a weekend, but most of the time you won't get your transport costs covered. Sure. But the, the average, and also comedy clubs set the fee. I don't set my fee. A comedy club tells me what it pays and it's up to me whether I say yes or no. Okay. And as a rule, it's better paying than uh, an indie wrestler's getting. 
Right. I bet. Yeah, uh, not loads, but it, it, but it, <laughs> but it, but it, 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 it certainly for <coughs> big, bigger clubs. You're talking it, most. The average wage for a Friday or Saturday night gig is is two hundred and fifty pounds. Okay. Right. And but no one's paying my transport, so you have to work out a cheap way of getting there and shit like that. But knowing that people, when they're starting out, are, are saying, "Oh, my fee's fifty dollars," and yeah, I'll just get there. And I know that a lot of people do that thing where they fucking carpool and stuff like that. But if you're doing sixteen-hour trip and then still going to work, and sometimes, uh, and sometimes, like I, sometimes, I couldn't carpool because there were times where I carpooled, and I can't tell you how many jobs I almost got fired from because we didn't make it back on time, or somebody fell asleep, or somebody doesn't drive as fast as other people in the car, and all this other stuff like that. So it's just little stuff like that, and uh, I don't know, but it's like. Uh, I, I like I did my share of that, and not saying that I won't do my share of that when I am at home. You know, you got to go ahead and do that. But I, I want my bumps to count for something. I don't. I don't want to just say that I did it, and it's like, yeah, I did all those car trips or whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, it's like again, if I'm delaying the wife and kids thing, and you know, trying to settle down and all that other stuff like that, it's like, what do you have to show for it when it's all said and done? And um. I finally feel like I'm at a point where, yeah, this is the time where it's like, are you going to go for a contract? Are you going to go for being like a high-level indie guy? Of course, you always got that in the back of your head where you think you're the guy to do it, but you got to be accountable enough to be like, okay, but can you? Like, really? Like, if you, if you, would you want to watch you at this point? And I feel like a lot of guys don't do that. And you've got to be realistic yeah. enough to work hard as well. The, yeah. the, there's this nearly everybody I come across in wrestling is willing to work hard occasionally I will come across people who have this weird sense of entitlement of of well everyone else is successful so I should be successful no. as well no 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 no, no. no you've got to, you've got to work your ass off they don't and owe you nothing yeah. and, and you're a prime example of this someone you, you've plied your trade for a, a long time and you've got and, and this is the cool thing like you being in the UK now um, I think it's 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 interesting how many people will mention you to me and obviously we've been chatting for a while and I know who you are but the amount of people who go hey have you seen this guy and I'll be like well yeah um, <laughs> but but it's interesting that you've got you've started building that reputation in this country you know 4,000 miles away from where you're from yeah. um, and it, I think that's testament to your hard work you've not come here and gone right I'm going to come here and I'm only going to work for these companies and, and I, I want to be treated like this you've gone no I'm fucking I'm coming in here I'm going to come in on the ground level I'm going to work my ass off which is it's funny you mentioned that too because like okay back to the clout system again I don't have it like Shane Strickland so like he, he can come in and get used for Fight Club or whatever but at the same time it's like he, there was a time where it wasn't always like that for Shane. A lot of people forget that, and a lot of people sometimes when they get in their feelings about why does this guy get this and why does he get that, that's not me knocking that they got it like that, but you also got to look like, hey, this is what they mean to the bottom line or this is how they mm -hmm. move the needle. So, like, he can just walk into Fight Club Pro or something like that, and they see that his message comes across, you're going to answer because he can move the needle. Me, I'm a guy looking for an opportunity to be able to move the needle for you, but you you gotta you gotta let me in. But the thing about it is, a lot of the times it's a constant state of having to prove why you should let me in, so I can do that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be super realistic to you, and I'm saying this as um I'm saying this as a worker. I'm saying this to you as a hopeful promoter. So hopefully somebody I work under when it's all said and done one day. Um, it's one of those cases where. You know, I've been on a lot of car rides with people who, you know, a lot of car rides built a lot of relationships with people that are 
getting their due. Like, um, you know, I, I did I did the long car rides with Cedric. I did the long car rides with uh, Uha Nation, now mm-hmm. Apollo. Um, A.R. Fox, who even though he doesn't have a deal, should have one, but he, at least he's everywhere. He, you went, know? he went for us when we were in the States. There you go. did a great job. There you go. Like, like uh, there's a little bit of everywhere. Jonathan Grisham, who's now... Just now, he's been that good. Yeah, but he's just now people starting to pay attention. Like, ah, oh, wrestling is weird like that to me. It's like this guy's been that good. It's just you, you're, you're finally watching him on stuff that everybody watches. So now you're in agreement with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, it, yeah, it's been tough watching a lot of them be like signing those deals and moving on and doing what they got to do. Ali, like, I'm happy to see him doing what he's doing. We, we became good friends in Chicago. All that good stuff like that through freelance. Um, I feel like sometimes, yeah, I can relate to what you're saying. All these people that I've I've been cool with and all this other stuff are doing stuff. Um, I should be able to just get that too. Doesn't work like that mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times while while they were working on their physique, I wasn't, or while they were working on being in the ring all the time to learn new holds or do this or do that, I wasn't. Um, so I had to really start putting foot to ass to kind of put it together, and it's one of those cases where. Yeah, I get left out of a lot of conversations when it comes to like uh, who's the next guy to look for or who's the next guy that can move the needle or get a contract or get some ink. Does that discourage me? In the back of my mind, sometimes. But at the end of the day, I know what my life is. I was always kind of the guy that nobody really took as a front runner. Or as the joke I always made was um, like if girls, especially back then, if girls talk to me, I was always the personality guy. I wasn't like the guy that they walked in the room and be like, oh my God, damn, he is fine. Like, I hope he talked to me. I'm always the guy that's like, oh, he, oh, that's, oh, that's just, uh, that's just should. And then they get to know me and I make them laugh a little bit and I, they get to know me. Then it's like, damn, where, where has he been and everything? Like, I, I went him over. Yeah, it gets a little. Yeah, it gets a little shitty. Sometimes it'd be nice for somebody to just be like, "Oh, damn!" Like, like Suge is fine. Let, let, let me talk. Let me let me throw something <laughs> at him or whatever it is. But like again, Bill's character. You got to do what you got to do. Plus, um, <clears throat> I just want it, dude. And it's one of those cases where, you know, I did the impact thing. Um, they didn't quite. They didn't quite see it enough to throw me a deal. Cool. I'm not mad at them. They just didn't see it. Like it is what it is. I appreciate it. It helped me. It it helped me move forward to be able to get out here because there were some people that even saw it. So that was even good in, in theory. Um, my thought process is this is a whole wide world, and when wrestling grew, it's not just growing in America. It grew everywhere else. So why not come to the UK? They got WOS here. They have you guys here. I recently got on with ICW, and there's some stuff in the, the with the works going in there. In all honesty, my thought process is this. You got a whole scene that everybody has the eyes of the world on, right? So instead of sticking to this deal like I was talking about where I have a plant that I've been trying to put in this soil and it won't mm-hmm. take, I've given you everything for like the longest amount of time. I've given you me. For the longest amount of time. I've given you more miles and more blood left and weird stuff. You know, I got plates and screws on my arm from just trying to work it out. You know? Why not go someplace else? Make so much noise to the point of people being like, Damn, why didn't we realize that he was do- he was trying to do this over here with us? And maybe you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know? So, 
it's just one of those cases where I'm just trying to bust my ass to try to make that work. And it's like, yeah, I've always wanted to do progress. I still have the email from uh, 2012. I think it was like 2011, 2012, where I tried to email you guys. And it was like, y'all, were, y'all weren't even at the point where y'all could fly people in yet. Oh, no, so that, was when, when, that was when we never used imports. Yeah. Yeah, when right at the beginning. I think the first import I can recollect y'all using was Ricochet. Uh, I think you're prob. I mean, we used Colt on the first show, but that was just to, to Colt was everybody's. Yeah, <laughs> it was essentially British. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, probably Ricochet was probably the next one. Sure. And, and we accidentally used Adam Cole because he was already in the country. Okay, but well, that's a great accident to have. He's yeah. an awesome dude. I love him. Yeah. Um, but it was just one of those cases where I still had the email from the first progress show I emailed like back then and whatnot. And to be fair. I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because, like, when I look back at it, especially at that time, I wasn't ready. Mm. There was a lot of stuff like where the opportunity came together. I wasn't ready. Um, I can't stress and harp on opportunity enough because there's a lot of great guys, not just me, but a lot of great guys out of there. And just because they're not getting gift like readily or they're not working certain places or whatever it is. Um, I think some people just think like the opportunity is not there. And it's like there's a lot of hidden gems or there's just waiting for that one thing to pop off to turn into something. So I just applied the hustle that I got from over there to here. And so far, so good. Like it's been working out. I've I've been doing my best to stay healthy, try to impress everywhere that I possibly can and whatnot. But like, honestly... If I were talking about my lofty goal, I'm rolling up the sleeves because this is <laughs> this is the one where everybody's like, you're out of your mind. But it's like, fuck it, why not? <laughs> my goal, my ultimate goal, and I might hit a number of things on the way to get into it. My ultimate goal, even if I fail, is if they do a UK tournament again, I want to be so respected and regarded out here in this particular scene. That even if they were like, but no, he's American, they're like, but no, he's a part of the UK. He's one of us. Yeah, he's you know. So yeah. yeah, we're gonna give him a shot. Cause I can't imagine, you know, and at the end of the day, like WWE and whatnot is about stories when it's all said and done. Like, what story is not to tell about a thirty three year old Georgia black dude who watched World of Sport on YouTube and like tape compilations from high spots and stuff like that? who felt like he was never going to get his chance in America. So he took a chance on himself, and he came over on a ticket for one month. that he had to pay for it for himself. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say that. I paid for it myself. You know, I haven't paid for it since then, but I took that I took that risk like to go ahead and do that. And like I feel like people are scared to take those risks on themselves, and they want, they want everything laid out. Like People message me now all the time about what to do to get over here and everything like that. And to be honest, it's like you have to give them something that they don't have already. It's like, uh, there's a lot of great talents over there, but it's like, I love the fact that UK has become self-aware of the fact that it's like, we can do it on our own. Like, what are you bringing us that's so different that we you we cover the flight, we do this, we do all of that. And um, I just want to get to a point where I'm having the having the right matches, making the right moments, doing the right things, to the point where if that UK tournament comes up, Fuck yeah, put Suge in. You know, like 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 even if he's a first round out, screw it. He made it. He tried it. He did his thing. I just want to prove that there's more to what I got going on than just that basketball bit from the ECW arena. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and the, the whole point about you feeling like you're part of the furniture here. I think the the interesting thing about it is when you messaged me and and said I'm back in the UK from this point, 
is it, it never clicked with me that you weren't here because I just presumed you were here all the time now. <laughs> like, because it got to that point when, you know, when you see that your diary is, your diary is pretty full and you, you're working for a lot of cool companies and you're yeah. doing a lot of cool stuff. You know, you are slotting in and being part of the furniture here, which has happened with it's how Daniel Bryan was was thought of here. It's how um, uh, it's how Chris Hero was thought of here yeah. for a long time. All the guys who did the camps and stuff. Have you done any camp shows? Not yet. It's a rite of passage, so yeah. I, I want to do it. But it's like the mafia, like trying to get in those things. You got you got to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that gave blood to get into something like that. So we're working on it. We're working on it. We'll see. But I stay very busy, and like it's it's been lucrative enough where. Um, I still got a place back in Georgia, like that's my main place. And what I like about this place is he's we've worked out a good enough deal where he doesn't make me pay on it when I'm not here. Yeah. So that works out too. But um but when I'm done with this one, I'm here from February to July. I'll go home for a little bit, but I'll be right back over for like another three or four months after that. So yeah. like, you know, and I'm here on I'm here on work visa, so I'm legal to use. I just wanna throw that out there. So yeah, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think that, that whole thing of people taking. I mean, the the flip side of this is British people going to America. So sure. the, the famous one is Mark Andrews, Pete Dunne, etc., going out and wrestling. They came through freelance yeah. in Chicago. And, yeah, and they did Chicago and places like that. Yeah, they, they made a point of, and at the time it was frowned upon. It was like you can't fly yourself out there. We, but from my point of view, like I was explaining the comedy thing before, I was like, well. I always got myself to places because I wanted to impress. You don't want people to take the piss out of you and want you to work for free all the time. But yeah. it, it worked out for those guys. It's working out for you. And the thing is, it's like with that kind of situation, it's like I'm in a situation where like people know me, but they don't know me. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those kids. That's what I mean by I always make the joke I'm mixtape rapper status. <laughs> it's like I, I've had some hot mixtapes. No major label has really given me like a shot yet. So they I don't have that one single that everybody knows. I haven't even had the chance to be a one hit wonder yet. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like I'll I'll take that chance, but I gotta get the chance first. But at the meantime, you still gotta put in the work, you know, for everybody to go ahead and do that. And it's like if if there's not enough people that are willing to take the chance on it, it's like you have to take a chance on yourself. You know, eventually, and like it works itself out. We hear stories about it all the time, but how many people are really applying it? Mm. And um, I'm I'm happy that it worked itself out. Like I found something different out here, and um, I've had a chance to really get in touch with who I am and myself. And I feel like I get to be the best version of myself sometimes out here. So this is this is good. Is it tough because I'm away? Like you know, I just had uh, I had a brand new niece. My brother just had a brand new mm. niece. You know. Is it tough being away during her formative years? Yeah. Um, Mom finally kind of understands what's going on with wrestling, and now she's super supportive. Um, Do I wish she could just come to the shows? Sure. But, like, you know, um, my love life is an absolute mess sometimes, you know, because it's like even even before here, it was like – God, you know, and and I've said my apologies, and we're good where it needs to be, but it's like – I've had girlfriends where if a booking came up and I thought it was lucrative enough, we had plans, I wouldn't even ask her. I'd break plans and just, like, you just got to deal with it. And then, you know, and then, of course, I've had the situations where, um, you know, I was so wrapped up in wrestling and work at the time. It's like uh, I know I put a big strain on a lot of relationships uh, to the point in some cases I got cheated on. And it's like I can't even be mad at it because it's like I was cheating on you at wrestling the whole time anyway. So it's like, 
So it's like I was there, but I wasn't there mentally, and yeah. I wasn't there emotionally. So I get it, you know. And um, you kind of—it's—it's one of those things. I was the same with comedy. You've eventually, you've got to go all in on something, haven't you? Sure. And and whether it means moving yourself halfway across the world, or you know, I I, I quit a really good job to to do stand up full time. I was poor for a long fucking. Oh, absolutely. But, but I was happy Colt, because I was throwing myself into something. Didn't Colt bring that up? He was like, sometimes like. Sometimes what you love makes you poor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just to, to kind of sustain it. But, like, that's what I mean by it's so fulfilling. Like, I look at his situation. Like, you know, he made himself poor off of wrestling for a long time. And now, like, he's paying, like, some serious bills now mm-hmm. off of just all the things that he's gotten through wrestling, yeah. you know? And um, I'd like to think that ship's going to come in, like, at some point. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can, man. And it's like, there's some times, and that's... Like uh, I get I get nicknamed Uncle Suge at home because sometimes I like to talk to younger guys. Um, my thing about it is I just think about my road coming up because there was a lot of people that told me to quit. There was a lot of people that told me like you're you're just a comedy guy. Rest on that. Like everything's good and all that other stuff. But um, I'm like I'm not gonna just settle with being okay with being okay. Like obviously just okay ain't working for you, or that's not what you want. So why should I have to do it? Mm. So. Um, Sometimes you just got to throw that bullshit to the wind that some people are telling you, and you just got to give it a shot. And I remember people saying it would be so risky coming out there. You don't know anybody. And it's like, no, I don't know anybody. The point is to get to know people. And, like, now, like, you know, I got friends around the way. I got friends all over the place now. And, like, uh, you know, Scotland opened up, and I got to do stuff in Wales. I'm doing Italy at some point in this trip. And I'm going to Romania. I never (laughs) even knew they had wrestling in Romania. It could be a... This could be a terrible. Uh, this could be a terrible decision, but you know what? I'm I'm gonna go. I, at least I know the guy who's doing it, so it's all good. But it's like it could be a terrible decision, but you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna go. And at, um, least, and at least you've seen the world doing the thing you love. Yeah, that's that's the you know <coughs> that's the way to look at it. Yeah, is is you know getting a getting to see the world doing anything you love is it's not not a job then, is it? Yeah, it's, and plus I, I'd like to think my passion is transparent, like. Um, you get a lot of people who cut those promos and, you know, stuff like, I wanted this, I wanted this since I was this. Um, the joke they always make at WWE tryouts is how many people are going to come up to do the promo portion where they're like, this has been my dream since I've been such and such years old and yeah. all this other stuff. They, they hit the dream thing and all this stuff like that. Well, of course it is because why else would you? It's been, it's been millions of people. It's been, it's been my dream ever since I saw Randy Hogan on Tough Enough and all this other stuff and everything. <laughs> like Those guys definitely trip me out, like the guys who – Wrestling wasn't invented until 2000. Either it wasn't invented for them until 2002 or 1996 when Steve Austin yeah. cut the promo. Like yeah. it's been around a while. Like it's cool. <laughs> but my my thing is, it's like um, I try to be super transparent, and it's like I know a lot of guys try to be hard men about um, wrestling and how much they love it and still being a fan at heart. I'd never stop loving it. I never stopped loving it since WrestleMania Five on VHS, man. Like I like bootleg VHS that, that for that matter. So it's like I never stopped loving it from then, and it's like it's been rough to me. It's uh, it's I've, it's forsaken me a few times. It's been hard, but it's also been beautiful, and it's brought me some of the most profound things that have happened in my life. And like um, I don't. I'm not going to be that guy that gets up at a trial and be like, you know, this has been my dream. This has been, like, my damn reality. Mm. Like, even when it was bad. And I just want it to be everything. And I want it to be, when people watch me in a match or they see a promo and everything, even at its worst, they need to know I love it. Yeah. They got to know. So, yeah. 
So with you here until July, um, how do people get hold of you? Where are you on social media and all that sort of stuff? SugarDunkertonBro at gmail.com for any type of uh, marriage proposals, bookings, (laughs) complaints, comments, all that good stuff. Invitations to Romania. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, (laughs) definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm touring as much as I humanly can. Um, Sugar Dunkerton at Sugar Dunkerton on Twitter. Um, at Sugar Dunkerton F A S H O said for show. <laughs> Shout out to Omar. Um, that's my Instagram. Um, like I also have a pro wrestling tea store, uh, pro wrestling slash Sugar Dunkerton. Buy some stuff, like seriously, like please, that goes to me. Like, buy <laughs> some stuff, like, like that's that's great. Plus, you look good doing it and whatnot. And, um, I appreciate everybody that's been super supportive of uh, me doing this and the messages that I get and everything like that. I know I'm not like your average pro wrestler sometimes with some of my views and the way I do stuff, but you know that's what makes me who I am, and I'm okay with that. And then the people who don't like that about me or the people who don't want to see that happen to me, you know, I love y'all just as hard. I probably love y'all harder than the people who do love me because I feel like y'all need it. It's like, why am I, why am I bothering y'all so much with this thing that I'm trying to do? It's like, like, like it shouldn't bother you. Just let me do what I'm doing. Let me fall on my face or let me fly in the clouds. Like it's okay. It's all good. And, um, I'm just, I'm just upwardly saying this to you too, as well. Like, um, you being in there, two of my personal goals that I made for myself, um, NXT UK progress. I don't know if they'll happen this year. I don't know if they'll ever happen, but it's not one of those cases where I'm not working towards them at any given damn time. So I'm just hoping that there's enough noise that happens where it's like, you know what? We got to do something with the guy. And if it isn't, I'm not going to stop banging at your door until either the, the house falls down or like my hand falls off. So it is what it is. So yeah. I'm, I genuinely hope your hand doesn't fall off. Um, I need that. <laughs> you need it to live. Yeah, man. Um, listen, thank you so much for chatting. You're one of those people. Sometimes I do a podcast. And I'm like, oh, we could talk for another hour, and there's every chance we'll do another one of these. We're in the UK purely because there's loads of stuff I haven't touched on. So, um, thank you so much, man. I Sequels, man. It. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> thank Seriously, you, man. Thank you very much. See, I told you he was a cool dude. Um, thank you very much uh, for Sugar Dunkerton letting me into his digs in Leeds. Uh, let me have a chat with him. Um, th- there's probably going to be a part two because he's such an interesting dude and I've got so many cool things uh, that I still want to ask him. Maybe I do one with like people who've chosen to make their homes here in the United Kingdom who aren't originally from here. So someone like Sugar Dunkerton and David Starr and Travis Banks and the Aussie Open Boys and El Fantasmo. Maybe that's a cool thing to put together in the future. Let me know if you think that's a good idea. At Jim Smallman. On Twitter, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Do please support the Distraction Pieces Network. I'm still super grateful that I uh, my little podcast has a home on something so amazing. So thank you, Mr. Scroobius Pip. Um, obviously, check out ProgressWrestling.com for merch and tickets and stuff for our shows. Demand-Progress.com for all of our archive. Uh, and um, yeah, I'll catch you next time I catch you. Sorry this doesn't come out on a Tuesday, um, but as you're probably aware, my life has gone a little bit crazy in the last few months. Um, uh, but I'm still trying to put these podcasts out when I can. And if you keep listening, I'll keep doing them. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.